Hello and welcome back to Endopod. This is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. This week, as part of the Covendo series, we'll be looking at Cushing syndrome and how it is affected by the current coronavirus pandemic and lockdown. We'll start by looking at what Cushing syndrome is before moving on to talk about why those with Cushing's are more vulnerable with coronavirus. We even have a guest speaker in this episode who'll share his personal story about dealing with lockdown and Cushing syndrome at the same time. So, what is Cushing syndrome? Well, before we dive into that, we have to look at the adrenal glands in our body. We have two adrenal glands and they secrete a variety of hormones such as cortisol, aldosterone, adrenaline, etc. The hormone impacted in Cushing syndrome is cortisol, which is a hormone that helps in controlling blood sugar levels and is a potent anti-inflammatory agent. This means it reduces the inflammatory response of your body, which refers to the body fighting off things that harm it, and it includes the action of many types of white blood cells and chemicals called cytokines, which are messenger molecules that cells use to communicate with each other. In other words, it dampens down our immune system to make sure it does its job in a controlled manner. Cortisol also helps to increase blood sugar levels, and it does this by working alongside another hormone called glucagon, which we talked about in the first episode. Glucagon is released when there is a low blood sugar level, and it releases stored glucose from liver, fat, and muscle tissue. Cortisol does the same, and it also dampens down insulin sensitivity, so cells don't store as much glucose. Cortisol is also known as your stress hormone because it acts alongside noradrenaline, which is another hormone type chemical, and acts to make your blood vessels smaller and therefore increase your blood pressure. It is partly responsible for that feeling of butterflies in your stomach that you get when you're excited or stressed about something. So, we've covered what cortisol is. Let's look at what Cushing syndrome is. Simply put, Cushing syndrome occurs when there's too much cortisol in the blood and there are various ways that someone can get Cushing's. They can have an internal problem, such as a tumour on their adrenal gland, which secretes a lot of cortisol, or more commonly, it can be due to steroid overuse. In other words, the excess cortisol comes from outside the body via medications. Patients who have Cushing syndrome will have significant weight gain, particularly around their midsection, upper back and face. They will have characteristic purple or pink stretch marks around their stomach, thighs and breasts. Their skin will thin and bruise easily, and the muscles in their arms and legs will start to waste away. Patients may have an increased appetite, extreme tiredness and emotional mood swings. Women may get thicker and more visible body and facial hair as well as irregular or absent menstrual periods. To treat Cushing syndrome, we need to decrease these cortisol levels back down to normal. This may include reducing long-term steroid treatments or surgery to remove a tumour if needed. Now we have the question of how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting those with Cushing's. Let's look at the molecular side of things. We know that cortisol generally has the effect of dampening down the immune system. In Cushing's, the excess cortisol does this to a greater extent, having an overall immunosuppression effect. Whether the Cushing's is caused by excess steroid intake or not, the high cortisol levels reduce the numbers and alter the actions of white blood cells, including phagocytes and lymphocytes. Phagocytes identify any foreign pathogen in the body and engulf and destroy it. High cortisol prevents these cells from fighting coronavirus effectively as soon as it enters the body. Lymphocytes are much more specific to a particular pathogen. When someone is exposed to a virus for the first time, these lymphocytes and other white blood cells help fight off the infection. But the special thing about these lymphocytes is that they'll remember that particular virus. 
So if the body comes into contact with it again, they'll be a lot quicker to act on it and help fight off infection much faster the second time round. High cortisol levels cause low lymphocyte levels, meaning there may not be enough lymphocytes produced to actually remember that virus next time around. We've all seen and heard in the news that a new fever and continuous cough are the most common symptoms of COVID-19. When we have any infection, including coronavirus, all the inflammation caused by it leads to an overall increase in body temperature. As we discussed before, inflammation occurs due to the action of our immune system and cytokines, and in Cushing's syndrome, there is an underactive immune system. So it makes sense that a fever may not even show in the early stages if someone with Cushing's syndrome contracts coronavirus. With patients who have Cushing's syndrome, early detection of coronavirus infection is a key problem, meaning they may even pass the virus on to others without knowing, and when they do eventually get the characteristic symptoms, the disease will have progressed to more serious or severe stages, making treatment even more difficult than it is for normally healthy people. It's important for healthcare professionals to be more cautious with those who have Cushing's and not only rely on the symptom of fever to diagnose COVID-19 infection. They need to look for other symptoms such as cough, loss of taste and smell, and diarrhea. In addition to having a delayed fever, these patients will generally have a prolonged duration of infection and are at risk of acquiring other bacterial infections at the same time, making treatment even more difficult. Another issue with Cushing syndrome is that it has various conditions associated with it, including diabetes, high blood pressure and obesity. It isn't just a hormonal or endocrine condition, it is a condition which affects multiple systems in your body. As I said before, cortisol works alongside glucagon to increase blood sugar levels. Prolonged exposure to cortisol can actually cause an individual to develop type 2 diabetes. Check out our previous podcast episodes to see the details of how coronavirus affects those with diabetes. But as a summary, people who have diabetes on top of Cushing syndrome will be at a higher risk of developing coronavirus complications such as breathlessness, severe pneumonia and acute respiratory distress syndrome, also known as ARDS. In ARDS, there is a buildup of fluid in the tiny air sacs in your lungs called alveoli, meaning that oxygen can't get into your bloodstream. This is obviously a severe complication in anyone who gets coronavirus, but interestingly, it is thought that those with Cushing syndrome might have a slight advantage. It is known that for ARDS to occur, there needs to be a big inflammatory response within the lungs, with their cytokines going haywire. This will eventually lead to the walls of the air sacs in your lungs being damaged. Now the intriguing thing is that patients with Cushing's have a suppressed immune system, which is actually advantageous in this particular situation. Their cytokines will be underactive and won't cause as much damage to the walls of their lungs, meaning they may actually be less likely to develop severe ARDS. Pretty fascinating, right? Let's look at another aspect now. It is known that COVID-19 is related to a hypercoagulable state, meaning that those who do get the infection are more likely to form too many blood clots. Blood clots are normally required by the body to help wounds heal, but when there are too many, they can get lodged in blood vessels and cut off blood supply to major organs, causing them to waste away. An example of when this would be fatal is if a blood clot got stuck in the arteries connecting the heart and lungs. This means blood can't get oxygenated at all and the patient will die unless immediate recognition and treatment is given. This particular scenario is called a pulmonary embolism. In Cushing syndrome, a similar situation occurs. Patients are more prone to getting excess blood clots and the risks that come along with them. Currently, it is standard treatment guidelines to give medications that stop blood clots forming to all patients who get admitted to hospital with COVID-19. This is doubly important in those with Cushing syndrome.
we talked about the science behind Cushing syndrome and COVID-19, but what does this mean for the patient? We luckily have a personal story to share on this podcast from Jack, who has Cushing syndrome. He talks about how this pandemic has affected him. On to you, Jack. Cushing's, or in my case, steroid-induced Cushing's due to a pre-existing medical condition. Where to start? Well, I'll start at the beginning when I first began to notice significant symptoms in regards to my Cushing's disease. I was put on a high dose of penicillin due to severe arthritis in all my joints. Within two days of being put on the high dose, I noticed a, a significant improvement of my joint function. I could move. However, after a week, I also noticed that I was hungry. Extremely hungry. I couldn't find anything that could satisfy my hunger. I mainly ate fruit, poppadoms, well, I mainly ate anything really. A month af after the dose, my initial dose, I began to put on some weight quite quickly. I must have gained about 10 to 15 kilograms within two weeks. Now, I hadn't been eating all that unhealthily. Unhealthily, yes, but not horrifically. In addition to the weight gain, I began to get round. My face became a football and my stomach a balloon. I was massive in comparison to my previous self. Furthermore, I got stretch marks, lots of them, from under, from under my arms to on my stomach to my legs, anywhere really. They just appeared randomly. And as a 17 year old, this weight gain and marks were the biggest thing that affected me with cuttings. I didn't feel like myself. However, symptoms continued. When I got discharged, after the starting of the prednisolone, I went home, started to get depressed. I had no motivation to do anything, except when I had these random bursts of energy for a day. My mum pointed out I was getting angry at the littlest things, sad over things that shouldn't be so, and happy for no reason. The mood swings were in full flow. After a year of the steroids, I began to get nightmares. Not the casual ones where you roll over and it's fine. The ones where you wake up shaking with fear and can't sleep for another hour. All in all, wouldn't recommend it. Then, when I was an, in an inpatient this year, the COVID epidemic began. At the start, I thought it was just a big media fuss. Can't be that bad, can it? Then, I noticed the nurses washing hands at every single opportunity they got. The antibacterial hand gel at the end of the bed got taken away because people were stealing them. This is when it began to hit home. Maybe COVID isn't just the media being the media. A few days after the change in attitude, patients started getting discharged at a fast rate and no one came to replace them. I was in for another couple of weeks, then I got discharged into isolation at homes. Due to my high dose of prednisolone that caused the cushions, I was defined as being in the high risk category, which meant I needed to shield. For me and my family, this meant I was not allowed to leave the house at all. If I needed something, I asked my mum to get it from me from the shop or ordered it off Amazon, which has been a godsend. Honestly, the amount of useless purchases I've made. When my family went for a dog walk, everything was disinfected twice whilst I was shut out the room. And then I couldn't touch it for a minimum of an hour. The joys. However, about three weeks after my discharge, I had to have a blood test. We rang our local GP uh, and she said there was a specific shielding clinic. So off we went, my monthly outing. I looked forward to it, which was a weird thing, but you know, the little things. The nurse who administered the blood test was in full PPE, as in a visor, gloves, apron, lab coat, everything. Not a bit of skin was on show. She took my bloods and told me that everything in the room was disinfected before we came, and after we left she would do the same. It was quite daunting to be honest, but I accepted the need and appreciated the effort that went into it all. Thankfully, now I'm reducing my prednisolone, so my cushing symptoms are decreasing. The nightmares are going, and the weight's leaving me. Slowly, but it's getting there. I've been Jack. Thanks for listening.
A big thank you to Jack for sharing such a personal story. As he said, patients with Cushing syndrome should maintain strict social distancing measures and of course continually wash their hands and maintain good hygiene. Their associated conditions such as diabetes or high blood pressure should be actively managed. As we discussed in length in the previous episodes of the podcast, diabetes itself is a huge condition to manage. It takes a lot of effort and willpower from the patient to stay on top of their medications, exercise, plan meals and activities according to insulin regimes and much more. The same thing applies to people with Cushing syndrome, especially if they have multiple conditions to manage at the same time. Patients who have Cushing syndrome should avoid outpatient attendance as much as they can and only go if absolutely necessary, similar to what Jack did. They are also advised to continue with their medications as prescribed and ensure they have a good supply of oral and injectable steroids. Generally, people who have Cushing syndrome can't fully stop their steroids as they have underlying conditions such as arthritis that require steroids for symptomatic relief. So it's all about finding that fine balance between managing both their underlying conditions that require steroids and the Cushing syndrome they have due to the steroids. If a patient becomes unwell with any infection, including coronavirus, they should double their steroid doses as per their doctor's advice and adhere to sick day rules. As I said before, Cushing's isn't always caused by long-term steroid overuse. It can also be due to a tumour, for example in the pituitary gland in your brain, that tells the adrenal gland to secrete too much cortisol. For such tumours, patients often need chemotherapy or radiotherapy, both of which weaken the immune system, making them more susceptible to severe COVID disease. However, most patients with this type of tumour need a surgery to remove it. It is important to weigh out the risks versus benefits in a pandemic situation. If the benefits of removing the tumour outweigh the risks, then it can be performed, but most argue that it is too risky to ask an already immunosuppressed patient to undergo surgery during the pandemic, unless absolutely necessary. A delay in surgery may be the most appropriate measures in this situation. This is why communication is very important between healthcare professionals and their patients, to advise them on what is best and reassure them. Medicine isn't just about treating an illness, it is about treating a person. Of course, people with Cushing syndrome are going to be worried during such unprecedented times. It is up to us as healthcare professionals to make them feel at ease and answer any of their concerns. The pandemic and lockdown have been a trying time for us all, but especially for those managing a long-term condition such as Cushing's. They're at a higher risk of severe COVID-19 disease and need to shield themselves to avoid getting the virus. Not only is this difficult from a medical perspective, it is bound to be difficult from a social perspective. They can't see their friends or families, they can't even partake in everyday activities such as going shopping. So I absolutely applaud those with Cushing syndrome. They're not only fighting a physical illness, they're also fighting a mental struggle. There are several mental health platforms available, such as the Pituitary Foundation webpage and more. I hope you have enjoyed this week's Endopod episode and hopefully you have learned about the effects of coronavirus on Cushing syndrome for both a scientific and holistic approach. Join us next week where we'll be looking at the big topic of mental health and how it affects those living with endocrine conditions during lockdown. Please do follow us on our Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. Please like and share the podcast with all your friends and colleagues and of course I always welcome any feedback about our podcasts. If you have any requests for future podcasts, then absolutely let us know. As always, we're very grateful for the support we are receiving for our podcast. 
And once again, a big thank you to Jack for speaking about his experience on our podcast. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier signing off.